Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, beautiful angels, and welcome to a brand new episode of Almost Adulting with me, your best friend, your big sister, and your host, Violet Benson. Welcome to Tuesday episodes. Today, it is all about vault archives. Today, we have... A beautiful episode that you've never heard. It's with Mark Groves. He's one of the podcast favorites. We always love to have him on. And basically, this is an episode that we previously recorded for him on his podcast. Now you guys will have the chance to listen to it on my podcast. Um, He did an amazing interview with me. We talk a lot about attachment styles and a lot of different things. We really get deep and it's one of my favorite episodes. It's quite long, so it's not even a short episode, so hopefully you can enjoy it on the ride to work, when you do laundry, whatever it is, but I promise you, you will laugh, you will cry, you will get sentimental, and you will love this episode, and then when you finish listening to it, don't forget to go check out Mark Groves and his podcast, and make sure to follow him, he's amazing, and hopefully he will be back as a guest on my podcast again soon. Enjoy, lovelies, and also, oh my god. Wait, I just realized I'm wearing my night retainer on the bottom and that's why I have a list, but oh well. But also this Thursday, I cannot stress this enough. We have an amazing solo episode coming your way this forking Thursday. It's so effing good. You're going to love it. So stay tuned for Thursday for the brand new solo episode. Love ya. Bye. It's Viola Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? So, yeah, I'm curious, like, what is the origin story of why you're so curious about relationships and also just the origin story of what inspired you to create daddy issues and like because it's grown so much i mean it's massive account but then also you've done so much through that transformation so yeah i'm curious um i love that you're asking that because i actually recently um well on my an episode that just came out that's a solo episode i kind of discussed briefly daddy issues where i ran into someone else that's an immigrant like me and a, a lot of foreign people um i don't know how to explain foreign or out of America, a lot of times we have different relationships with our parents. A lot of times, like the girl I was talking to, she's French. Her name's Clara and I'm Russian. And our parents, the way we were raised, our parents were very cold. So it was kind of cool to to revisit that thought of, of how, how far I've come with my, my relationship with my father. So it is so funny. Daddy Issues itself was created for my insecurities. And I never thought that account would grow. I was... I was so lost in my accounting firm. I was constantly getting bullied. Like it was very serious bullying, not just like me pretending it's bullying. It was like HR was involved. It was very serious and I was very depressed. It was at a time, it was one of my lowest moments and 
the sense of humor is what helped me find myself again. And I could relate to other people who were tagging their friends. So that was that. So that, that account itself literally created me again and helped me find myself for the first time in my life. So that was like beautiful and amazing. Honestly, I'm like so thankful for all of my followers because they literally showed me that it's okay to not fit in, you know? Mm. And then after that, the reason I started to get into, um, wanting to understand better human relationships was because I didn't grow up with that type of love with my father. And I didn't grow up with touch. My father and I, we didn't say, I love you until our mid twenties, my mid twenties. Um, and we didn't hug until my mid twenties either. And it was only because I started it. And it was at one point, um, after I started getting back my confidence and who I was through daddy issues that I started thinking about it. And I realized that, you know what, I don't care anymore. And it sounds, I think it sounds weird for people who maybe never experienced this, where the feeling of being rejected by one of your parents, but we all experienced that even since for much as a child without even realizing. Um, but cause I remember when I first moved to the U S I saw my American friend ask her dad for advice in front of me, casually discuss it. And I'm just watching it. Like, how are they having a casual conversation? <laughs> You're and like, Wait, then this happens. Yeah. I was literally couldn't believe it. And then I was, I think 14, 15, no, I was 15. And then they hug each other and she goes, thanks dad. I love you. And I'm literally sitting there in shock. And then I go, wait, does this always like, do you guys do this all the time? And she's like, yeah, I'm like, this is normal to you. And she goes, what do you, which part? And I'm like, well, <laughs> all of it. Like you guys just say, I love you just like, it's nothing. And she goes, yeah. Cause I, well, I love him. So I'm going to say it. I'm like, and you guys just like, hug each other like like just like that (laughs) and she goes yeah do you not hug your dad and I go and literally as a 15 year old it's so sad to think about but I went well no because like what if I try to hug him and he's like ew what are you doing get away from me like that Mm -hmm. would be my thought process because we don't have that relationship so it's weird Mm -hmm. but as an adult when I finally found myself it was this epiphany that I said you know what I don't care anymore if my dad rejects me. I don't care anymore if I feel rejected by my father. I'm not scared of that anymore because I finally had the confidence for the first time in my life. I know who I am. And if tomorrow my dad's gone, I'm going to regret that I didn't tell him that I love him. Like I'm going to regret that I didn't hug him. So I just need him to know because I know deep down that like he loves me. He just shows it differently. I understand it now as an adult. And I even talked about it with that girl, Clara, who's French. And I explained to her that at first it was hard. Like it, it didn't change overnight. Like it was me awkwardly trying to hug, hug my dad when I would uh, see him somewhere. And when I said goodbye, we'll hug him. It was like, literally he cringed. I'm kind of like awkwardly trying to hug him, but I would do it. And, and then on every time we talked on the phone, uh, I would be like, wait, dad, hold on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, um, okay, I love you. And it's silence on the phone. And then he would just silence on the phone. Then he hangs up, but like, at least he waited because he, he mm. was shocked. And then like I do a few times and then eventually my dad would be like, "Uh, me too. And then eventually my dad started going, I love you too. And then now we're at a point in our lives where I don't even have to say it first. Like when we talk on the phone, my dad's like, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And I'll be like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I've only had this for seven, eight years. So it's still for me, it's very fresh. Yeah, that's it's you give so much context to the idea that if we no matter what our childhood was like, if we have no, we have no thing to relate to, like the ability to see, wait, hugging's normal, compassion's normal, safe communication, like all these things that 
if you if you experience them, you likely take them for granted, possibly, till you meet someone who's like, wait, you hug your dad, and being like, wow, yeah, yeah, do you want to hug him? You know, like there's, I, you're just speaking to so much relativity that's required because I think often we don't value what we have because we have it, and the other side is we don't realize how much just by us changing our side, we can actually, if the other person is open to it we can transform that relationship. And I've certainly experienced that just in communication with my parents. Like I've gotten so much better at communicating that I started to bring that to our conversations and conflict. And they've gotten so much better at it too, just through the mutual desire to do that. And yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? My friend, she, yeah, because my friend, she said, well, it's not fair. Why should we be the ones to change the behavior? Like why couldn't our parents? And I was like, Hey, I'm like, this is where we get it all wrong. This is part of even the word almost adulting. We, as children, or even as adults, we forget that our parents are humans just like us. They don't have all the answers. And when we eventually become parents, we also learn we don't have all the answers. So eventually you have to wipe away the image that you have of your parent, that your parents are heroes. They're not. They're going to disappoint you. And once Mm -hmm. you realize that they're humans, you accept the fact that they let you down and you know that they did their best. Like, I know my dad showed his love the best way he can. And like, I know he feels bad that he couldn't give me a type of love that like I need as a child. But like the fact, the fact that I was able to now change the cycle as an adult, that means I'll be able to be different with my kids. And it's okay to have to start with me. I'm very happy that Elisa did. And the, the, whatever years that my parents have left on this earth, now we're able to have that type of relationship together. Yeah. It's so so beautiful. That, that idea, though, you're right, the martyr, like, you know, I, why do I have to? Well, the, my, my fiance said this the other day that the, the person who has the highest, higher level of awareness in the relationship, it is their responsibility to steer it at the time. And oh, I hate that. <laughs> I know. I I didn't like it either because, and then I thought, well, which one between us has it right now? Because <laughs> do I have to take the, no, actually just by her saying that she tells you who had it or has it. Um, But I think all relationships at some point when they sort of hit the edge of their possibility or their potential and they keep expanding, you kind of play a leapfrog with the other person. You know, you have an awareness, you bring it to the relationship and that, that, uh, that view, I remember the first time someone said to me that when you see your parents as the children of parents, then it gives you compassion because like for your father or for my father, you know, it's unlikely that male emotion was celebrated, that saying I love you was a thing. And, and I know that different culture, culturally, that's different too. Like I've, uh, one of my best friends is Swiss German and they're not big huggers. And so I remember I'd like hug his mom or dad, sorry, the dad and the dad be like, pat, pat, like, uh, <laughs> like, like a board. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it's just so interesting to contextualize it through through culture. But I think that's where also now with the current culture of like TikTok, I feel like everyone, everyone learns new words now on TikTok and on TikTok now, like everyone's ex is a narcissist and everyone else is the problem. And I think that also becomes a little toxic in itself because now we're sitting there and calling everyone else all these different names that were like, with narcissist is so popular now and like no you're very hot right now 
yeah, maybe you're just not emotionally developed or maybe you guys weren't right for each other. Maybe right. you have things because people forget we are mirrors of one another. So like when my father was emotionally unavailable, guess who else was emotionally unavailable? Me. Guess who I was dating? Men who are emotionally unavailable because I am I was one. We were mm -hmm. attracting like people. So when I sit there and listen to some of my friends being like, all my exes are narcissists. I'm looking at my friend like, well, have you thought of looking? <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> so I think that so that's the part of like, why do I need to do something? It's everyone else's fault. Sometimes it's up to you to be self-aware and it's up to you to decide. Every day you wake up and you say, is this enough for me? Mm -hmm. And every day, as long as it's enough for you, whatever relationships you currently have in your life, then it's okay. But if one day you wake up, like I woke up and I said, you know what? My, my relationship with my father is not enough for me. I'm going to fix it. So if you wake up one day and you say, whatever relationship I have with whomever is not enough for me, it's either you try to fix it, it's up to you, and you stop complaining and victimizing yourself. You just step up or you let that relationship go because it's not working out for you anymore. Amen. That's adulting. That's serious yeah. adulting. <laughs> That's like, but it's amazing how liberating that is. Like the power of being the victim or the martyr is that you get to stay in your circumstances or stay in your patterns because they're not your responsibility. And what you're saying is, oh, actually, control, alt, delete. They're, they are actually your responsibility. People probably don't understand control, alt, delete because that's a pretty old computer reference. But I, <laughs> I know, I just was, had to look in my laptop as you said that was like control. Like, alt, what does delete? that yeah. do anymore? Um, okay, so. In the context of what you're saying too about TikTok or just this culture of pathologizing everything, giving a title to everything, and even in the face of, you know, you must face a barrage of comments, things, all this stuff. And I'm curious, how do you, because what I really admire about when I see your stories and see you speaking is you very much speak at the cost of whatever the feedback might be. And you're also really great at calling out stuff. I just love it. Like I saw recently you're doing a, you're like, I think I'm going to start sharing when men t message me inappropriate things and take when they're in a picture with their girlfriend in there. And I was like, yeah, like this is the level of accountability. Wait, yeah. that was on my close friends. So you saw something other people didn't. Thing, oh, but yeah, okay, that sorry. was me making a joke. No, no, I that was the joke because it's like the men, some of the men that would DM me, they leave their girlfriends. And normally I used to just, um, I used to hide the names, but now some of the messages, they're just so funny. Like the other day, somebody DM me saying, What color is your nipples? And I was like, That's really funny. So I just took a screenshot and posted it because, because it's just, Sometimes it's just really funny. And I'm they not must get a barrage. Yeah, they might. It's like we're protecting them from the co social consequences of, and that's true of the internet, right? In a lot of ways, because people can be anonymous, they they don't have like if you said something like that to someone on the street, you get punched in the face and you might go to jail. You know, like that's very real. So the internet has really made it so people can hide behind their their keyboards or their screen names or whatever it might be. And I'm wondering, how do you manage to be so unapologetically self-expressed and also because you are compassionate too. So how do you do yeah. both? Yeah, 
I mean, it takes time. Obviously, I have bad days. Like, it's not always easy. When If I feel good about myself, then yes, I don't take it personally when anyone tries to attack me. I laugh it off or I look the other way. If I'm having a bad day, the first thing I'm going to notice is the mean comments and I'm going to feel the need to respond. And of course, the minute you say anything back, the person will always say, wow, the fact that you had the time to blow. And you're like, okay, but you had the time. Like, why do I have to be the bigger person? It's sometimes it's annoying. So I hate that. <laughs> So I definitely had to kind of train myself to learn how to look the other way because, yes, it is very unfair, especially during the pandemic. People on the Internet and celebrities have become more punching bags because people just assume forget you're a real person and they're angry as they should be. The pandemic sucked. It's life still sucks till this day. And it's easier to take it out on people that have a following because you just believe like, well, you're supposed to take it. It's part of your what you do for a living. No, we're not supposed to take it. We already work really hard to like entertain you. So it's, you know, maybe go to therapist. Instead of using me to punch bag, here's an idea. But I've learned now to kind of look the other way or sometimes I respond compassionately and then the person always says, oh my God, I'm such a fan of yours. Like, I didn't know you're going to respond. Like, like sometimes it's the rudest things. It's not even telling me to kill myself. It's meaner by just making a comment, let's say, no, killing myself doesn't even hurt my feelings anymore. It's, It's the messages when it's some, like the other day, some girl was like, why does your mouth move so weird? Why do you talk like that? And I go, oh, I have a speech impediment. And then she just felt like an asshole when she, when she said that because that's like literally something that I, I really hard for me to would be able for me to fix. Yeah. Um, and plus it's, it means that I'm like either autistic or some other type of disorder and that's why I have a speech impediment. So the minute I said that, then she was just like, oh, oh my God, well, like, I didn't think you would answer. And I actually think it's really endearing. No, wow. bitch. You said, why does your mouth move like that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I'm just like, and I just said, I don't know. I don't get what people what goes through someone's mind head when they message a stranger that something like that. So yeah, it's, you just have to let it go. It's hard. Like I've certainly, I I don't even get. I'm sure even 0.1 percent of the things you get, and I'm just like sometimes I'm just like wow. People on the internet, like you guys need a job. You need something else. You need therapy. You need. Like it, it is true that there's like an unrestrained restrained part of people. I'm yeah. You know what, what are, I do sorry. actually? What if someone? What? A lot of times, if I catch a mean comment, like really mean, what I do is I restrict them. So then I don't give them the satisfaction of responding, but I also don't give them the satisfaction. Sometimes if they're really rude, like like creepy if it's a male that's saying something very creepy to me i'll block them but except that i'll restrict them because when you restrict them they can comment as much as they want on your social media posts and they'll give you the engagement but no one will see their stuff ever so they'll be hoping you'll interact with them they'll be hoping someone else will agree with them but no one ever will and they'll never know why and then eventually they'll give up so i mean they're just shouting into a cave I'm in for the long haul. I love it. I love it. I'm curious, what is is the greatest struggle that you see relationally in the people that follow you, follow your podcast? The biggest struggle relationship-wise for the people that follow me and my listeners? Um, Or maybe just from your experience too. I think dating in general nowadays is hard. So I think it's... Well, I will tell you, I think in general, not just my listeners, even from my own experience, I think everyone thinks the hardest thing about dating is always finding a new partner. But I think the hardest part about dating is actually letting go of the wrong people. 
And I think a lot of us have that yeah. issue, especially with a pandemic. At that point, we got so isolated that you it would be too lonely to not have a partner. So I think a lot of us went back to people we previously didn't work out with or a lot of us um, – uh, Oh, were you smiling? I'm like, is that I'm, what happened? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm laughing because there's like so many people who for sure like went back to an ex, went back to like yeah. below average, like someone who didn't meet their standard, but they like lowered their pandemic standard, you know? When the when the pandemic first started, I, I tried to go back to this guy that it didn't work out with. I didn't even like him. And I'm like, should we date again? And he was just like, you didn't even like me. And I'm like, but I feel like you're the one. He's like, I'm not. And I was like, are you sure? You should be dating. He was like, uh, no. And I'm like, wow, got rejected by you. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want you. I'm just so lonely. I'm just, the pandemic has made me want someone I didn't even want. Literally, I was like, maybe I was wrong. Like, I, th I literally was like, I think you're the one. And he was like, I am definitely not. <laughs> At least he had the discernment and communication to tell you like, nah. I guess. I mean, I've, I don't, most people normally communicate with me and vice versa when it's not working out. So yeah. So the, the not letting go of the people who are not the right fit is the greatest that is challenge you harder. see. I agree with yes. that. That's so hard to do because it means you have to enter the space of nobody. Yeah. And you start to think, well, we've already spend so much time together. It's, it's, it's a few thoughts. One it's, well, what if I let this person go and then they find someone else and then I'm alone. That's not fair. So it's like the not fair. Then yeah, the second one is what if I help them become better and then they're going to be better for someone else. That's again, not fair. So now they're going to oh, be that better. one. Like Ugh. I, I help them personally grow and then they're going to be ready for somebody else. I hear that one. Yeah. A lot. Th those are, I should reap those rewards. That's not fair. And then the third one is we've already been together for so long. I'm comfortable. This is all I know. I'd rather be miserable with someone than miserable alone. Oh, did I just rhyme? <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> yeah. that, so. The one where people are pissed when someone, they break up with someone because the person's not meeting. They finally, you know, let go of the wrong person. And then every single thing they wanted from that person. They start to follow the highlight reel on Instagram and they're like, see, now they want kids. Now he's reading this or she's reading this book or now they're blah, blah. They chose someone, right? Because often it's someone who wouldn't commit. And then they're like, now they're in a committed relationship. And it's like, yeah, that's actually the whole reason they didn't commit to you is because they didn't want to. I mean, that's hard Aww. for people to take, you know? That is hard, but it also means they're, A, they're doing you a favor, but B, shit wrapped in gold is still shit that's wrapped in gold. So if that person didn't work on themselves when they were with you, it's very doubtful they're going to work on themselves when they're with someone else. They have to choose to work on themselves because they want to. Thinking, wanting someone to change for you is not only somewhat manipulative, but it also never works out mm -hmm. because that person will end up being resentful. If you made me wake up every morning at 6 a.m. to cycle with you, I will do it at first because, you know, like I love have, sleeping with you and like I love the attention. But eventually I'm going to really hate you that you making me wake up every morning at 6 a.m. to cycle because I don't enjoy it. So that means I'm doing something for you. No, I have to do it for me. So. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, the other one you said, too, the fear of 
letting them go because we end up alone. Why do you think we have such a hard time being alone? Um, I mean, that's a really good question. I think, well, I think, A, people don't like to be alone with their thoughts, but I think it is really wild to me. I love being alone. My problem is actually I'm alone too much. Like I have to do the opposite thing where I have to get used to being around people and to, in order to date because I like being alone so much. But I think the reason people um, are afraid of being alone is sometimes they may not like what they see. And I think if you expect someone else to love you, then first you kind of have to figure out how to love yourself when you're by yourself. Because like, yeah, what does it say about you that you can't be alone with your own thoughts or you can't be alone with yourself? You don't like to hang out with yourself. How do you expect other people to want to hang out with you? Yeah, especially if they tell you like, I really love you and you don't love yourself. You're not going to believe them. You know, like you're not yeah. going to deeply understand how they could if you haven't explored the parts of yourself that you may not like, even the behaviors that you may not like that you have. Yeah, but it's also, you know, hey, it's nice to have a partner or some to have a crush on someone. But also, you know, no matter how confident you are, I'm very confident. And I have those moments where it's kind of that fear, like, what if I my person is not out there? Like, what if I'm actually this is just... I'm just meant to be alone. Like it is a normal fear. And I think sometimes people get me, even um, my podcast um, manager the other day, when I told her how I was kind of mourning some guy or I was acting a little like insecure about it. She was like, wow, it's actually making me feel so much better. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, cause you come off so confident. I just assume you don't act up over guys i'm like no i'm like i'm so pathetic over guys like secretly <laughs> joking like please but like so you know i think that's one thing people don't realize they see something on the internet people being confident and they don't realize like no we still no matter how confident i am i have i still have and no matter how much i love being alone i still have moments where i'm kind of like it would be nice to have someone here but i don't want to call any of my exes because i know i'm better you tried off that without yeah. that exactly I've yeah. been there. I've seen that movie. It didn't work out. Yeah, the uh, I'm just laughing like so much of the projection or idea that we have that social media has created. It, I mean, it's funny, but it's also sad that we like watch these highlight reels of people's lives. That's why part of my work has always been just sharing my own personal journey because I think we often don't humanize the people that are on, you know, that have some sort of platform or voice that we might admire um, or might find insight in that we don't imagine that they have the same struggles as where, you know, like even if you become a master of relationship, whatever that even means, it doesn't mean you don't have conflict. It just means you, you, you navigate it differently. You navigate it more in a more healthy way. Yeah. And I do think I've noticed as personally as someone that was so, well, actually last year, my whole podcast was revolved around dating and relationships. And all I was doing was reading so many dating books, so many relationship books, so many self-love books, watching so many TED talks. And it was so much information in my brain that it actually made me repulse of the, the idea of dating because I was just so tired. All I was doing every day was talking and thinking about it and giving other people advice that I couldn't date anymore. And that was one of the reasons even I, I changed the structure of my current podcast where every month I have a new topic. So I don't always, as much as I love talking about dating relationships, it's still in me, like I couldn't do it. So I think people don't realize that the people who do talk about it a lot it, sometimes it can be harder for us to say, hey, I go on a date within two seconds, I already know what's wrong, like the mommy issues that this guy has. And I'm overly analyzing it, you know? Is so that an Instagram account as well? 
mommy issues. I think someone was created before, but it didn't go big. <laughs> and that's too bad. That's true. I actually feel the same way when I was single that I'd go on a date and I would know pretty soon, you know, I would know at least that I want to go on another date. And that's why I think shows like The Bachelor, such bullshit, because you're like 25 people. I'm like, I could get rid of 21 of them in the first day, you know, <laughs> literally same. I'm like that, too. <laughs> I do think Love is Blind is really fascinating. Have you watched that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I I do. I like that because I do. I fall in love with people on their personality and energy. I'm not attracted to p people ever physically. So that's really hard for me in general. So I love the concept of love is blind. I I'm wish the I opposite. Could go on it, I mean, but. I fall in love with personality. I don't mean I don't. But may I, I'm definitely like have been in my younger, less mature times much more physically driven and then like does the personality you know like it was i wasn't filtering my in my whole dating experience for the right well, things yeah but you shouldn't apologize for that that's literally in your genes research shows yeah. men are it's about physical attraction in order to get sexually aroused for females it's about touch and how we feel in order to get sexually aroused Hence why, hence why men normally, if there's no physical attraction, they'll be the most likely won't date the other person, no matter how close of friends they are. But for women, they can be not sexually attracted to a man who's a good friend of theirs, but eventually they get used to him. He's around, he's a good friend. And then suddenly they start dating is because now the woman's sexually attracted to him. That's not just the sound of that first sip of morning, Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So it's like actual yeah. science and research. So. I mean, it also makes so much sense to yeah. that difference, that difference in it. Did you watch the latest season of Love is Blind? No. 
No, no offense to you, Love is Blind, but she hasn't watched it. You didn't capture her for season two. Anyways, the show, what I really loved about it was that I, I didn't think that because I had heard about season one, like, oh, yeah, people fall in love in one week and they're dropping L-bombs like in a week. And I'm like, OK, this is like Red Flag 101. But when but I watched it, I was like, they're, wow. They're stuck in a – it's different though. Like on these shows, they are they have no TV. They have no phone. Yeah. They're just stuck there in their thoughts. I would fall in love in a day. I totally – like when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is really – because there's no physical materialism to like end the conversation before it begins. So it's really actually quite beautiful to watch. Yeah, I love I think it's beautiful to watch on Love is Blind because it has nothing to do with looks versus these other shows like The Bachelor or Too Hot to Handle. It was all about looks. I mean, Too but Hot to Handle is totally it's just like it was literally it's just out the window. But it I mean, it's interesting. Like I think it's fascinating. I think it's it, how they all get to is that that's the one where they all get to a place and then they're not allowed to hook up, right? Yeah, and then they want to do it more because of that. Yeah, that absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's definitely true. Like you can't, they come to party and bang and then they're not allowed bang, but they're allowed to party. So that's tough. With The Bachelor and with Love is Blind and shows like that that have nothing to do, it's more about dating is A, you're in competition. So the competition makes you think you want the person more because you're competing for someone's love. B, you're isolated. So it's either all these women and I eventually, or men, depends if you're bachelor bachelorette and eventually you're sick of just seeing women you want like the testosterone whatever however you pronounce it around testosterone testosterone yeah yeah Yeah. and then it's like and then if people i think people a lot of times have made fun of people on the bachelorette or the on the bachelor when they feel like they're in love but you're literally isolated so all day you're either spending time with this person or you're just sitting thinking about that person because you have nothing else going on yeah, I think the other fucked up part about The Bachelor or a Bachelorette, one is you're right. The competition makes you go kind of bananas, you know, because you're like, I didn't even like this person, but I want to win. And <laughs> it makes you go if you're securely attached, if all of a sudden you're in a space where you're dating with 24 other people, you're going to get a little crazy. Like, where do I fit? They're going on dates with all these other people like it could take the most sane person and make them get a little a little uh, dysregulated, like get them a little, um, a little bananas. Now, the other thought too is they usually go on these dates that are like a helicopter flies them to a top of a fucking waterfall. And then they, they have a five-star chef making a meal while like a monkey's hanging around. And like, it's so ridiculous that it's like straight out of a dreamy movie then i'm like who wouldn't fall in love at the top of it? they're not even driving their own right. cars living in their own house yeah and exactly exactly they're not it's not the guy it's not the guy's car it's not the guy's date but when you're on there you're like this is so romantic with this man i can see all this romance with this man you actually have no idea if the man is romantic or not Right. You have no yeah. clue. It's like the casting, the writers are like, you should take her to this place and we're going to have all this setting and it's going to be amazing. All you have to do is wear this suit we gave you or this shirt. and t- Like it, it really takes away if they had to plan their own date in their own hometown. I would like to see that, like where it's actually them that because that would actually tell you a lot about the person who planning it. 
Wait, what kind of attachment style am I? If my, the reason I wouldn't be able to go on these shows is because I'm the kind of person if I'm like, okay, if you want to date this person, then you date them. I'm out. I don't need to be part of this. So like, that's kind of my thought. That's pretty secure. That's pretty secure because you're like, I'm not into the competition. Like you want to date them, go do that. That's pretty secure. The idea that it, (laughs) well, the idea about like taking, like appreciating our own time. Like it's harder for us to enter relationship than be alone. That can be more avoidant. That can be. It doesn't mean it is, but it can be. I, okay, here's a good example. And I should admit this because I'm calling myself out. I love it. For example, at one point I was watching TikToks and again, they're like, is the person you're dating a love bomber? And it's like every man now is either a narcissist or a love bomber. So suddenly (laughs) on my TikTok, I just saw nonstop men who love bomb and the women are complaining about the love bombs. But all the TikToks I was seeing, I go, oh my God, that sounds like me. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize that. Are you a love bomber? Are you just realizing you're a love bomber? Yeah. So seeing that, it made me realize because I started thinking, I wonder what it's like. Maybe I wonder if people who date me feel unsafe. Like that was really interesting for me. So I think it it felt like on TikTok, everyone was just only men can do it. And I was like, whoa, I'm someone who reads about relationships. I talk about relationships, but. I didn't, and I'm, I tried so hard to work on myself, yet here I am using some of these words and I was considered love bombing and I'm not doing it on purpose because I know when I'm in the moment, when I see, meet someone, I feel those emotions and I'm so excited. I'm like, finally like someone that I just can't help myself. And I'm like, you're so pretty. Like, I love how you, this, like, I really like you because I feel those in the moments and I can't stop myself. But then when I go home, I freak out. Oh my God, did I scare this person? Uh, is this really what I want? And then I'll say, wait, we should like, we should slow down. Like we should take a step back. But then two min- minutes later, I still like them. And I'm like, I wanted to maybe see yeah, how that's, they were feeling. I mean, that's more of a disorganized toxic. attachment style. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't call it toxic because toxic's okay. kind of like the word crazy. You yeah. know, it's it. if we think about it from like a compassionate lens, it's just how we learned or how we experienced attachments. So like it was hot and it was cold. It was given, it was taken. And so we just learned like, hey, I I really love this. I'm really digging it. And so we experience more of that excitement. And then when it gets too close or we realize what we've done, that's that avoidance where we're like, oh, I actually need a bit of distance. I'm not really, and that's classic avoidant lines. I remember when Kai and I were maybe going on like preparing for our second, we were dating long distance. So preparing for the second hangout. And I remember saying, she was saying like, oh, I'm really excited about this, this, and this. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember writing her back saying, well, let's maybe just get past the second date. And like, <laughs> ugh, ugh. Like, I, I like even the face you're making, right? But that, I wrote her right after, and I, I actually called her, I think. But I was like, I'm really sorry. That was me like trying to control the depth of our connection because I... And I was like, and that's me being avoidant. So I'm really sorry that I did that because you were ex- sharing what you were excited about. And then I just fucking put a <laughs> total extinct fire extinguisher to any sort of connection. And so if yeah. you said that to me, then my response would have been my automatic response, which is something I've been working on and I struggle with this. I would say, okay, you know what? Let's just not go at all. Like right, That would be right. my first thought, which I think makes me avoidant. So that's why to avoid in people, it's hard for them to date or something. Yeah, well, yeah they're both running away from each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like anxious people love avoiding people because they're always chasing them, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's like, it if you think, I, I feel like it's so simple to think about it. Like anxious people are, are afraid of space and avoidant people are afraid of too much closeness, like where there's no space. And I used to be like that where I would get really close to someone. And then because I had attachment trauma, like betrayals and things like that in relationship, I would get close to them and I'd be like, they're the best. I'm so excited. Like they were an incredible human, an incredible woman. But then as soon as we had intimacy or they told me they liked me, I'd be like, okay, peace. And yeah, it's overwhelming. Oh man, it was too overwhelming. <laughs> I, I hadn't processed the pain that lived with that closeness, you know? Yeah. So how do you move past that? You have to, I mean, the best, I would say, more the quickest or most effective way. One is talk therapy can help coaching talk therapy because you can process what is what is past the closeness. What are we afraid is actually going to happen? Um, because I know we associate the closeness. Oh, well, we're going to have more love and more connection. But that's not actually how the unconscious story goes. The unconscious story goes, yeah, we'll have that. But love and connection is actually associated with betrayal or withdrawal or abuse or trauma or lying or all abandonment. So you have, I think it helps to psychologically understand it, to intellectually understand it. I don't think you can do any of that work without doing nervous system work. You have to work with a somatic therapist. I had um, Nicole Loos on the podcast. I also had Sarah Baldwin. I actually have one coming out. She'd be great to interview for you. Sarah Baldwin is in LA too. She's a freaking genius in attachment uh, and the nervous system. Oh, and I, and essentially that's understanding how do I trust my own self when I get close to people? So anxious people have to learn how to self-regulate, like how to be with themselves and their own feelings. Because what they do is in order to treat their anxiety as they go to other, they connect with other, they send the text, they do the thing. They can't sit with themselves. Avoidant people can sit with themselves. They have, they actually have to learn how to co-regulate. So like Sweet. you and I hanging out and trusting each other. And yeah, that takes a trusting person, a nervous system. That's why it's, you work with someone on what is in that edge of closeness. It's but really think, beautiful work. I think another really interesting thing as people who have either of those styles is that, for example, my type of attachment style, which is avoidant attachment style, um, I end up being drawn to other people with avoidant attachment style versus anxious attachment style. And it happens to be because a lot of times we tend to date. And this is really cool. I read about it a long time ago and I, it was like blew my mind when I read it. But a lot of times when we keep dating the same person over and over again, it's because somehow in our childhood, the reason I'm dating avoidant men is because in my childhood, my dad didn't give me that love. And I felt like I had to chase for that love that's how the story ended. So my mind now as an adult subconsciously is replaying the story as a child and trying to have a different ending. So now subconsciously as an adult, I'm still dating men similar yeah. to my father who are not giving me love. And I'm hoping that this time the story will end with a fairy tale, but it doesn't because there's, it, you know, unless they're going to be, unless we have 30 years together, to finally work through the <laughs> to issue. figure that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> like I did with my father, it's not going to happen. So I think, and for some reason it feels, it sucks. Like as much as no matter how much I've worked on myself, when I really sit and think about it, for me, sometimes it feels hard work in anything I do feels more rewarding, even love. And I know now love is not supposed to always be hard, especially not in the beginning. 
So you have to, sometimes you forget that. So, so sometimes I meet someone and it feels hard and I'm so drawn to it because I think it means, oh, that's my twin flame. But no, it's because it feels familiar because I've been there. (laughs) I'm familiar because I grew up with no love. Like no wonder Mm. I feel at home, but it's not the home I want for myself. Like I don't, my mom always tells me like, do you want to chase this person for the rest of your life? Like that's how, that's you, that's you, that's what you want for your life. And I'm like, no, I want someone to love me. And she's like, then stop dating the same person over and over again. Yeah, that's it. Hey, it's like recreating the same scenario to either invite you to choose differently or to show up differently, but actually both of them are required. Do you know what I mean? Like by choosing differently, you have to show up differently. Like there. Yes. But you always think, yes, it doesn't work out for everyone else, but I'm, I'm special. Like I could choose this person. (laughs) I'll get them to change. I'll be enough that they'll finally change. Yeah. Like, and the universe um, says, Nope, no, you won't. No, you won't. That's so hard to hear. That's so hard to even feel it. I hate that. Well, the beautiful truth of that is that what you think you're chasing, which is for them to change is not true. That's the projection. You're just chasing yourself to change. Yes. Right. Because what they require in you is for you to be different, which is love is not found there. It's found here. It's found within. And as long as you date trying to chase something, not only do you have to be incomplete, but you also have to give your, your, the other person will always hold what you're seeking. As opposed to if you give it to yourself, then you date from this whole place. You date from this space where you're like, I don't need you to complete me. I'm complete. And like, hey, and that makes us way more discerning because yeah. all of a sudden we're like, is this person a good fit for me? Ah, I don't know, actually. Maybe they're not because they have the same feeling I get from my dad or my mom or whatever I'm getting here. Yeah, I think, but I think as long as you realize when things feel familiar, it doesn't mean that it's love. It just means it could be familiar from your trauma. Yeah. And I think it does, because like the last person I was dating, it felt so familiar with this person, but, and, and he, he, he was so, I could tell he didn't feel lovable by himself, which I guess, obviously, already some of a red flag, like he should work on it. But instead, I was like, he has so many beautiful, I'm overly romanticized everything. I'm like, oh, you have so many beautiful parts I would love to love. And I forgot, like, wait, we are mirrors of the people we date. So the yeah. things about him that I wanted to love so bad were actually things about myself that I didn't love. So it was beautiful. interesting for me when I sat back and thought about it, like, I'm so desperate to love this about this person, but I'm not willing to love those dark place, those dark things about myself. So maybe instead of chasing this person, giving him love he doesn't deserve because he needs to do the work on himself, then I should first love that those things about myself. Because we don't realize that if I sit there and I tell him, I love you, or mm-hmm. you're, 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 you're doing such a good job in this and this, if the other person doesn't believe it themselves, it doesn't mean anything when you tell them you love them. I don't love myself. I don't believe you when you tell me you love me because I don't know right. what that is. If, if I don't believe right now that I'm doing a good job at work and you tell me I'm such a hard worker, I don't believe you because I don't believe in myself. Yeah, true. Do you, how, how does that look differently? Because what you're speaking to is, okay, I'm in this dating relational experience. I have this awareness about my pattern. I recognize, for example, what you're saying. I chase this familiarity like my dad. Okay. How the fuck do I change that? How do I stop that? Like, what does that look like in real time for you? Because you're in the dating world. You're, 
you're in this, you have a high level of awareness about your attachment styles, your behaviors, familiarity. Have you ever dated someone who's different? Uh, no. <laughs> like who's it's like- hard. It's more like I, what I happens about now- you, I'm dependable, like it's, is reliable. People who like me too much is hard for me to deal with. Right. Ah, there we go. There I it is. I feel suffocated. Yeah, there we go. It's hard. But the thing is, it's funny because you're like, well, you're so self-aware. It should be easier for you. No. Now, when it happens, I meet someone. I'm like, oh, I'm obsessed. And that person looks at me and they're like, I'm obsessed. And I go, oh, fuck. You're this like, is bye. What are you shit. Doing? No. Instead, yeah. I'm like, now I'm self-aware. So I know it's not going to work out. But I'm still like, I can't because it's the back of my head. I'm like, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe this will be different. Well, see, this is the somatic part, the body, the nervous system that doesn't know how to be in closeness and not lose oneself. Like that idea, I'm suffocated. That's such an important word because it says when, like, just finish this sentence, if you don't mind. Do you mind me asking these questions? Go ahead. This is why I love your podcast and who you are, because you're just like, let's fucking go all out all the time. You're just such an open book. Um, <laughs> when people get close to me, they... When people get close to me, they make me feel suffocated. When people get close to me, I. When people get close to me, I retreat. And what I'm afraid of when I get suffocated is? That eventually they'll use something I told them against me or they'll get bored of me and then they'll leave and then I accidentally got attached to them for no reason. Mm. So I rather just like take a step back. Yeah. Like I don't and trust. It's not even my my fear of freedom. Well, no, I do don't like. I don't I don't like when someone tells me what to do. So when I do feel suffocated, I fear <laughs> freedom that they're take away my freedom. But it's this fear of when you get close to people then they end up I don't want to I have a hard time a when someone uses I open up to someone finally, and then two weeks later, years, whenever later, suddenly they were like, well, you once said this and this. I'm like, damn, I wish – why did I even trust you? Why did you have yeah, to say that? That's or cancel culture that, too. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah, but I don't mean that. Or it's that fear of yeah. I get scared that I get close to someone, I finally actually get attached to them, and now they could leave me at any moment, and then I'm the idiot that got attached. But I also know then, you know – then you'll never live. You have to like, because in the end of the day, you're, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt regardless. It's kind of like my mom used to tell me about my ex. What's the point for you to get so much anxiety if he's going to cheat on you? If he's going to cheat on you, he's going to cheat on you. And once he cheats on you, then you can figure out what to do about it. But to like make yourself sick over it, like constantly thinking, is he cheating on me, stalking him? Like for what? He's going to do it regardless if he will, if he wants to. Well, especially because a lot of those behaviors perpetuate the other behavior. Right? Like we don't trust someone, we chase them, we ch don't get me wrong, they're very untrustworthy people that we just should not be in relationship with. You know, that what I hear you saying in all of that is um, you really value liberation for yourself, like freedom to be yourself, which is really important. That's such a beautiful thing to just claim. And, and that when you get close to people, they have betrayed you by using what you've shared in closeness against you. Yeah, not even to other people. It's like one, like here's a silly example. One of my friends, uh, I, uh, 
I was having a bad day and I don't really like to tell my friends anything. And I told her that I'm feeling a little, I was feeling depressed, feeling depressed, not depressed. I was feeling depressed, big difference. I wasn't going through depression at that moment. And it was a bad day. But then two weeks later, when we got in disagreement, she started holding it against me and being like, well, you're depressed. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm not depressed. Why do you keep saying that? I'm like, I'm in a good place. And she's like, no, trust me, you're depressed. And I'm just like, girl, like, why are we, why are we doing this? So yeah, like the that. other, the other overused term of gaslighting that actually is, <laughs> that actually is because it's oh. deny, it's denying you your experience. It's saying exactly. that I know better about you than you know about you, which means that you have to adopt the other person's reality in order to be in relationship with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like on yeah. some level. That you're like, oh, well, if they say I'm depressed, then I must be, you know, which of course you have enough discernment to be like, no, I'm not. It's interesting too, because it's like, you don't, there's a lack of trust in telling people things, right? Because you it's said, not just I don't that. share a lot. Yeah. Tell me more about it. With friends, I do have, I do have a, for whatever reason, I don't know if I come off like a fuckboy with my friendships, but with friends, I do tend to draw in very dependent friends. Well, I'm the opposite where I need space. So a lot of times with friends, when we have a disagreement, it's because I'm not answering my phone enough or they need a lot more love than me, than I can give them. And I think that's, then it becomes a worry for me as well. It's, it's then I get scared to get close to people because it is one of my biggest fears deep down. It's not just a loss of freedom. It's about the fact that I'm going to let someone down. And like, I mm. don't want to let, so I always rather be the one to get hurt than the feeling of hurting someone else. So I've always said I'd rather be um, I'd rather be the bad guy than the victim in any situation in life. So I, I do have a big fear that I get close to someone I can't give them the love they need, or I don't know how to do that love because you know I'm still figuring it out. And then what if it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me, and I don't know how to deal with that stuff. And as much as I want love, I sometimes get overwhelmed with either I'm about to give too much love because I don't know how to do it properly. Or I'm not going to give it enough and then I let this person down. Yeah, that I'm going to so. disappoint them, that I'm going to hurt them. And then I might get hurt too. Like it's such a, it's like how do you live between that balance, right? Because really yeah, like to, well, you trust that other people are responsible for their feelings and their experience and you are responsible for yours. That's hard though because the kid in us doesn't want to let people down. And then we hide our truth. We hide our voice. We might actually just avoid connection just to never actually have to experience letting someone down or not being enough as opposed to, you know, just living in the space of not being like, imagine if we just accepted I'm, I'm not enough for, for whatever mm -hmm. totally unrealistic expectation we have about ourselves or how we might like if we oriented or operated in relationships as kids where nothing was ever enough, like that yeah. is a, a disappointment we never want to touch again. Yeah. Know? I mean, even when I watched the TikToks about love bombing, then that freaked me out. I'm like, oh my God, I do that without realizing. And I never met. And then, and then that freaked me out so much. I completely took a step back because I was like, now I don't even know how to talk to people because the last thing I want to do is make someone – Cause I start questioning myself. <laughs> like, do I then mm. like this person? I'm love bombing them. I don't know. So I think in the end of the day, this is something really awesome that my mom told me after the last guy and I did. Your didn't mom work needs out. a TikTok or a podcast. I know. I know. She's so wise. But she said, she said, um, 
if you keep pretending to be someone else, then you're always going to be upset when, when no one knows who you are. Right. And I agree because I think That's I'm constantly advice. right because if I'm constantly holding myself back or acting like I'm not vulnerable at all and I'm so strong all the time, then of course, if I keep pretending that I'm so strong all the time, then I can't be upset when no one's checking in when they haven't heard from me for a couple of days. Because I always tell everyone that everything's okay. Or if I keep pretending I'm okay with being single, if I keep pretending I'm okay with being alone, then I shouldn't be surprised when no one's at my door trying to go out with me. And it's kind of like the thing of like, eventually you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, where do you stand? And you have to be okay that you're not perfect. And I have a need to always be perfect. That's just, have always been, and I'm not perfect. So it's constant struggle, <laughs> struggle with myself that I will never, can never achieve this goal that I have that's unrealistic. And she said, I love you when you're crying, when you're showing your emotions, when you're sad. I love you when you, you admit that something makes you unhappy. Like, I love you so much more. And she's like, sometimes I wish you could be like that around your partners. Cause sometimes the people I date, they, they have a hard time living up to my expectations or living up to the expectations they think I have because of how I come off that everything has to be perfect and that I don't, ever get hurt or, and I'm never upset. So I think the best advice I can give literally to myself right now is I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm having a therapy session in my brain, processing all my emotions. <laughs> I love it. So I would say, you know, I think I'm loving myself more and allowing myself to be myself is how I'm going to attract the right person in my life that's going to also like me for who I am instead of me pretending to be someone. Well, and then you're off the hook because you don't have to keep up any act. You just get to be yourself. You don't have to, because every time you got to process and think about how you need to appear or be, you're actually not present because you have to go through a filter that puts you in the past. Does that make sense? Like you're yeah. living in the future, so you never get to be in the now and you never get to just be. And like, I can at least reflect my experience of you, which is that I connect with all the things that that are your what you might call your imperfections or your vulnerabilities like and my experience of the people who follow you who love you and your work and just your voice it's all people who love that you just live out loud and i think that's especially evident even in this podcast even in this conversation that you yeah. you by humanizing yourself you allow and give permission to other people to humanize themselves and you know i have a lot of gratitude for that with you, especially because you do it on such a large platform. I mean, thank you. Vice yeah. versa. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto to you as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, it is hard, especially because I grew up so opposite of it. So it became my thing to really want to learn and understand it better. And I'm still learning, but it's, it is interesting because it's very hard for me to be vulnerable and open. As I just mentioned, I don't talk to my friends about my feelings. So then it's interesting how then I go on my podcast or on social media and I'm open about certain things or I show my emotions, but it's hard. I mean, even throughout this conversation, I feel everything I'm saying and I feel everything you're saying and I'm in the moment with our words. So mm -hmm. throughout this whole hour of talking, if you could tell sometimes my eyes would get watery because I was really feeling what we were discussing, but then I have to hold myself back and I have this trick since I was a child where I jab my nails into my palm or on mm. my feet, like I stab in order to feel physical pain so I won't cry. And it's still a habit that even now as an adult, I know I'm supposed to allow myself to feel emotions because that's how you heal. And instead it's, it's a knee reaction where I will jab 
my nails into my palm or my foot in order to feel the physical pain to prevent myself from showing any type of emotional pain. Wow. So pretty crazy. What a beautiful level of awareness, though, to be able to just acknowledge that one of the ways that you coped with feeling emotional pain and, you know, wearing a brave face uh, was to do this and and sometimes to catch yourself doing it as an adult, you know, like I, I remember talking to Sarah and her saying I was telling her just about when I was a kid and she was saying, isn't it so beautiful, the brilliance of the human body and the human mind to know to create these strategies to be able to exist in relationship that aren't even healthy, but to be able to do it and to survive in them. And she said, like, the real work is to differentiate when they're supportive as adults, because there are things we do that are supportive that we learn. But there's these beautiful coping strategies that we hate, that we think are toxic, that we think are imperfect. But they're so beautiful because we needed every single one of them to be here, to be able to regulate when we were a kid, to be able to handle parents who weren't reliable, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I have so much compassion for where they come from. Like, I mean, for certain, one of my coping strategies was to eat and to eat sugar. I love gummy bears. Gummy, anyone Yo. listening knows I love gummy bears. <laughs> but, you know, I realized like the other day I was thinking, I was meditating and thinking like, I've, I've definitely, re- I regulate pretty much everything I consume now. I don't drink anymore. I'm... um I don't drink caffeine unless it's by choice now. I used to be totally addicted to coffee because, I mean, coffee, let's be honest. Um, But what was interesting about sugar is I was just asking myself, do I need to take away sugar so I can find what's below it? And immediately the answer was, yeah. (laughs) It was like, oh, fuck. So, you know, that's so like any sort of processed sugar. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Because I would then dance in the gray of, of health being like, I'll just eat dry mango. Well, dry mango is like a straight espresso shot of fucking sugar. It's just really, Oh my God, it's so much sugar, but it's like nature's candy, you know? Right. Um, So that's how I would eat it and justify it. But it still was something that was helping me regulate. Like when I was emotionally distressed or didn't feel like I fit in as a kid or whatever it was, I would eat or drink chocolate milk, or do something like that to soothe my feelings. I would get this high from the sugar. And I noticed that I still do that. Like I still do that. And I want to know what's below it. I want to, I want to get and excavate the space below much like what's in the tier that goes beyond the place where you inflict yourself pain. Like, what is that release? What's there? It's such a, you know, I remember having this spiritual teacher who just said like, get sober from everything that pulls you away from who you are. Wow. I love that. It's so beautiful because it's just like, what do you, I always thought like, what would I find in silence? I was afraid of going into silence. And I remember just, I would just find more of me. Like, why am I afraid of finding more of me? You know, what's interesting is that everyone has their addictions and I've never been, I never care for alcohol. I don't do drugs. And I think my addiction has always been people i get addicted Mm. to people but not people who love me people Mm. who don't and it's chasing them and i and i think if i got further away from it i would realize i think it's because deep down i probably wasn't i'm not at the place where i'm even ready 
to allow someone to love me and vice versa. So it's familiar and it's easier to fall for someone, the idea of someone, because I'm never actually around and create a whole story without actually having to go through the emotions and to go through getting to know each other. So it's always like, oh, he's far away. But if if he was here, oh, how we would have worked out. <laughs> oh, how we would be together, yeah. you know? And because as a child, my coping mechanism was creating, um, I was always playing, I'm playing video games a lot. And I was always playing with my sister fairy tales. We had like this one game we played for eight to 10 years together as children, where it was, um, I was like in high school, it was like a whole thing. So it was constantly my escape is imagining things. Mm, And I'm still fantasizing. Yeah. Yeah. So as you talk about the sugar, I realize that's me when I'm having a bad day or whatever, I just close my eyes. And I just think of like, what if, and I just like imagine not being here. And that's kind of when also depression hits, which I've had in the past is uh, like the dreams get better than your reality. Because when you close your eyes and you're dreaming, it's just this is nice and I like it. And eventually you have to be like, but maybe it's time to deal with the reality because reality can be more beautiful than your dreams and then your imagination if you just give it a chance, you know. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Mm, What a beautiful paradox, too, to know, like, again, how wonderful it is that you had the resource to be able to go to this place that wasn't here 
so that you didn't have to feel what was here. And what you said about the restraining from the pursuit and then waiting in the space, I think of the same about sugar. It's like what actually lives in the feeling I'm numbing or treating or distracting myself from is actually the way out. You know, I think it's Rumi who says the way the way out is through or the oh, the 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 cure to the pain is in the pain. And, yeah. Yeah. And I think of what you're saying and like this invitation that we all delay the acceptance of when it's like it's right there. It, it, I think it's Rumi who has that same quote that like, why do you stay in the prison when the door is right there? And it's like, yeah, you know. It's but I think it's so cool how right now we're sitting here and we're discussing both of our inner childs. And for me, I just want to cry from it. It, it. It's so touching. It's so beautiful. And that's a beautiful part. Like right now I'm thinking of every listener listening to this and I'm thinking of their beautiful inner child yeah. and I can feel all their emotions. And that's what sometimes makes me so sad. It's there's so much hate in the world now, especially on social media, on the internet and people shouting at one another or sh spewing hate at someone else. When in reality, one thing every person in this world wants is to feel like they're heard, to be loved, to and all that. And yet here we are. We want to heal our inner child. We want someone to love our inner child. I know every single person in this world, no matter what kind of growing up they had, they have some type of like thing with their inner child where they at one point didn't feel loved. And that inner child is still sitting there saying like someone please love me, please notice me. And it's like all these people, we have the same inner child and yet right. we want others to accept us and yet we spew hate and don't accept others. It's kind of wild mm. to me. Like, so when I have this conversation with you, it kind of reminds me like, oh my God, we all have this like beautiful inner child that just needs to be loved. It's so sweet. Like I want to hug everyone's inner child. <laughs> I want to hug everyone's little kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like when you get to know the part of yourself that needs that and just acknowledge it, then all of a sudden you want to just go to all these people who are enraged. You're like, I think what you really yeah. need is to just maybe pause and accept that you're rejecting part of yourself right now, you know, or whatever it might be. Well, people that have the most anger inside, the show that the try to get love by the the meanest ways, but the most outlandish ways is those are the people that actually need love the most. They may not even yeah. realize it. But when I'm when when I'm hurt and I lash out, anger is not a real emotion. People sometimes forget that. Anger comes from other emotions, which usually pain, sadness, and you're angry. That's why you're angry. So when I'm lashing out and I I'm, I'm telling you leave, never speak to me again. When I'm really, my inside, when I'm really saying, please don't leave, please fight for me. Like, this is really hurting me. Can you not see how hurt I am? And it's, as human beings, we're not perfect. No matter also how self-aware we are, no matter how much work we're going to do on ourselves, we're still going to have those moments where we forget and we just, we feel hurt and we don't know how to deal with it. And we shut down and we say leave or we say something mean and then the other person's going to walk out because they're going to be hurt and they're not going to realize like this is actually when this person needs me the most you know it's kind of sad yeah it is that we uh i think i remember hearing esther perel say that behind every criticism is actually a desired behavior like every time we say you never what we're really saying is what i really need from you and you know even when we yell at people you know, what you're expressing about anger and what we truly want to say, we just don't maybe have the resources or the way. And the thing about anger that is 
is disruptive, I guess, in a lot of ways, is that it, because anger, of course, I, I personally believe anger can be very powerful if it's clean, like if it's about creating a boundary, if it's about rescuing ourselves, it serves us in a lot of ways. But in the way where it creates significance, like if I observed people get angry and that's how people paid attention, which I, what you're saying about the internet is very true. It's like people are just enraged because they want to be heard, because they want to be validated, because they don't want to be afraid. They don't want to be afraid of war. They don't want to be afraid of, I mean, ultimately, they don't want to die. They're afraid of dying. And that's like the whole yeah. thing about COVID and vaccines and all that. Actually, I'll re-say that. And that's the thing about the pandemic and the V, because you can't even say these words anymore. But like, that's it is like, we're all just afraid. And what a beautiful thing to acknowledge so that we can actually have discourse. Well, and I read something the other day, which was really cool when it comes about anger and resentment. We think resentment comes from anger. So when I'm on the internet and I say, why are you doing this when I'm doing this? You should, you should, you should care. You should care more, blah, blah. And we, you think, oh, it's because I'm angry. No, the real emotion that's coming from me, like I said before, anger is not a real emotion. It's come, this anger, like I said, can come from pain, sadness. It can also come from envy. So that's yeah, one true. thing we don't realize. So when I'm sitting, I'm like, well, why are you doing this when I'm doing it? I'm envious. If I took a step back, I would realize, why, how are you able to be so stress-free? How are you able to be so happy when I'm so miserable? I'm envious of you. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I wasn't this way. That's really what's happening. So I'm not angry at you. Is I'm holding a knife and I'm stabbing myself. Because I'm actually mm. angry at myself that I'm unable to experience life the way you are. I'm angry. I'm working. I'm working nonstop and weekends. How come you're not? That means I'm envious that you take the weekend off because and you're okay with it because you chose to not stress over it. I'm jealous of you. That's what it is. So I don't need you to change it. I just need to finally allow myself to enjoy my life. Mm, to give myself permission. Yes, of whatever it, it is that I'm envious of someone else. Yeah. yeah, it's so true that we are often looking for to let ourselves off the hook, to do something differently, to choose something differently. Like I, you used to be an accountant. I used to be a pharmaceutical rep. You know, like I look back and I think, wow, like I didn't do my undergrad in finance because I love finance. I did it because I was taught that if you got a job in areas like finance, you could make good money and then yeah. you could be a desired partner. Oh, whoa, wait. Well, if I wasn't trying to pursue being desired, what might I have actually done? You know, like with my heart and my soul and my drive and my curiosity, you know, in my undergraduate degree, I took um, psych of child development. Wow. That was one of my favorite classes. What the fuck? Why didn't that inform what my future should actually look like, which it has now? And I, you know, I look back and it's all perfect. It all occurred exactly how it needed to. And I just think like, what would it be like if we encouraged people to pursue work and life from that perspective? You know, very different. Yeah, but also we have to be realistic. And this is like, I don't even know if it should be part of the podcast, but the truth is um, not everyone's programmed 
to know what they want with their life. Some people will go the rest of their life not knowing what their passion is or what their hobby is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people will go the rest of their life working a nine to five because they're better as employees than being an employer. That's okay. My father is one of the smartest men I ever met in my life. He, if he grew up in America, he would go to MIT. My father won math competitions in Russia. We're all good at math in Russia. I feel like everyone's good at math in Russia. Exactly. My father is a bioscience engineer, but he's much better as an employee and he will be a good employee for the rest of his life than it would be an employer. I love freedom. I don't like people telling me what to do. I eventually found a job where I can be my own boss. And I'm also okay with working on weekends. I'm also okay with working at nights. I'm also okay with doing things myself. So then it's easier for me to be an employer. So we can't also sit there and tell... I just think people are sometimes unrealistic in the way where they think just like I'm realistic in a way that I'll never be a billionaire. I mean, I can tell myself I will be and sure, maybe I will be, I can manifest it, but I don't think so. Unless I marry a billionaire, then well, I'm putting myself (laughs) down. But like, I don't know. I'm just saying like, you just have to kind of be sometimes realistic with yourself. It's okay if you don't know what your passion is. People go their whole life without it. And it's okay if you so don't own a business because you don't know how to do that. That's okay. It's not, it's not your path. Everyone's different paths in life. We should also accept that. Not everyone's meant to be great. Not everyone's meant to be a leader. There it has to be just like there's leaders, there has to be followers. And I feel like such an asshole that I'm saying it was the truth. I don't, yeah. I think there's, I had a friend once who said to me, like, I just don't want to change the world and change relationships like you do. I just want to go to my job and that job pay for my free time and my travel and my and being in nature. And I'm like, I totally get it. That makes total sense. It's just like not everybody wants a good relationship. Not everybody does. Not everybody, I think on a deep unconscious level, they do. But not everybody actually wants to learn about themselves. Not everybody wants an expansive, joyous life. Some people are just fine in their numbing cycles. And I don't mean that from a judgmental perspective. I just mean like, I was totally fine till I wasn't being a pharmaceutical rep and going to the bar. And like, I I was fine with that. I do think on a deep unconscious level, I was numbing myself from actually the feelings I truly had, but that's a whole other story. But I wonder if, because I agree with everything you're saying, and that is us giving everybody the permission to where they are in their own story, including ourselves. And I wonder if we encourage curiosity from the beginning, because so much of religion and part of faith is not questioning. Like part of faith is don't question. Right. And that trains children of faith and no offense to faith, but just in general, it does to not ask questions. Or when someone says that's just how it is, that, that that it doesn't encourage curiosity. And I just wonder, like, if we were encouraged to say, why do we work five days a week? Why do we, gen- why nine to five? Like my friend Sarah was just saying this, why one hour for lunch and two 15 minute breaks? Like, who came up with all of this? And why do we all keep agreeing to it? And And again, nothing wrong with it, but I just think like, it almost feels I don't even, it doesn't feel, it appears that there's just a lot of programming and we just, and when you wake up from the program, the matrix, you're all of a sudden like, holy shit, life and love and everything 
has so much more available to it. If I step out of this toxic pattern, if I just quit, you don't have to pursue your passion. You could just might ask the question, is there more to this? You know what I mean? You know, I completely agree with you, but it's so yeah. funny because I come from public accounting and there's <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. structure in public accounting. My brain right away, because I have the right side of my brain and luckily the left side of my brain. So I use both and people don't understand what that means. We all have both sides of a brain, but the right side of your brain is analytical. The left side of your brain is creative. So that's yeah. what I mean. So my brain goes to, but order is good. We need order in <laughs> it our is. life. It's it important. Is I need order in my life because I'm so chaotic. I I'm the most disorganized, organized person I know, but I need order <laughs> or like I live on my calendar that I just went to a doctor's appointment two days ago because I just go by whatever's on my calendar because I'm so I don't have time to answer text, blah, blah. I, I forgot that I we rescheduled the doctor's appointment, but I never deleted in my calendar. So I showed up. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm similar to you. I get really um, afraid of constraint in terms of creativity and my calendar. And Kai reframed it to me. Again, now we know who leads our relationship. But she <laughs> said to me, uh, liberation through limitation is a thing. And I was like, okay. So when there is actual structure, then there's actually, there is liberation through structure too. And it makes me think a lot of like, I have so much fear of structure because I have fear of my self-expression being limited. I have fear of not being allowed to ask why, because I grew up in Catholicism. I went to Catholic school. I worked in corporate. And when I would ask why, people would be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, just keep doing it. Why are you asking? And I'm like, that's not a world I want to live in. So I get really, I get, I get afraid thinking that a constraint will stop me from self-expressing, um, but not realizing I actually need constraint sometimes to be able to free my creativity, if that makes but sense. But also, we just had that conversation about the fact that not everyone's meant to be great. Not everyone's meant to make a change. Yeah. So in a way, that's kind of why there needs to be order, because not everyone wants to be free thinkers. And as much as people want, so think true. they want to be free thinkers... The pandemic in some ways on both sides proved that maybe people don't. They don't realize how much sometimes they like being a part of a pact versus being just their own opinion. So I I really true. don't know the right answer to that. I I mean, just in the end of the day, it's everybody. all opinions. Yeah, so true, it's right? It's my right. opinion versus your opinion versus that person's opinion. And then I think we should all just live our lives the way we want to and not tell each other how to live their life. But I'm just saying this because I have a, a fear of, constraint like anyone telling me what to do so we're like, in the yeah. constraint recovery group we just didn't know we're both like hey i'm i'm mark hey. yeah like yeah I, I, anyone telling me what to do i'm like no you know what like i have incredible people that work with me who love structure so they're the greatest compliment to me ever because they're like hey chaos let's organize this a little bit and i'm like okay let's try to do that and but they're like obsessed. I remember the first person I ever hired. My coach told me to write a list of everything I hated doing and then create a job description. And I was like, wow, people like that. Like, why would it? Oh, God, I couldn't imagine like someone would take these things like calendars and or, ugh. I was like, wow, this is a job. But someone to someone that's like their favorite thing in the world. 
No, it's per, uh, my current, uh, my new podcast editor, they have a structure with everything in the Dropbox. Because I used to just send things on WeTransfer or just like in the text. And he's like, put in the Dropbox. That's I was I like, yeah. that's really annoying. But then I'm like, <laughs> no, this is going to help me. So now we have this one location where it's all in there and it's so organized, like episode so by episode. Easy. It's too easy. Yeah, and now it's like I will always know because in the past, I'll want to retake back a file. I send someone a file, I delete it. And then the WeTransfer deletes it. Um, this um, It's some site that you can use to send files. So after a month or two, it's gone. So then sometimes I will lose a file because of that because I'm so unorganized and I don't know where I saved it. But now I have a Dropbox. So, so I'm thankful for people that are opposites of me. That's my favorite thing about people. I, I totally agree. That shows good leadership too. Um, okay, I'm curious to close, Violetta, Violetta. I'm curious, uh, what would be your most significant, beautiful piece of advice that you would have for everybody? I mean, I feel like I've given no so pressure. Many advice, like You've given so are. much. What's the what's the oh tastiest my... morsel? What do you hope for everybody other than hugging their inner child? I mean, I think. That was that is one of my favorite advice when it comes to the dating about the inner child. I, I think I think my favorite piece of advice would just literally be, um, well, my, oh well, shit. You got I don't mom. know. I mean, you got more mom language. You got more mom yeah, advice. But What's I, your I think, advice? I want your advice. I think my biggest advice would. Oh, I have one. Okay, I keep. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I think. My biggest advice would tell people to stop caring so much what everyone else thinks and what everyone else is doing because you'll then go your whole life caring what everyone else thinks about you until one day you'll finally realize that no one was ever thinking about you. They were thinking about themselves. Fucking so, mic drop on that one. That's <laughs> very true. So that's, I'm glad that you – sorry, go on. No, you go on. Go ahead. <laughs> you go on. Um, I'm glad that you – marinated in that to deliver that beautiful piece uh yeah okay thank you for being here i've had a lot of fun i had you're so much fun so much fun and you're so fun to communicate or just dialogue with where do people find more of you um well people can find well. either my meme account daddy issues underscore or violet benson is my personal instagram they can dm me if they have any questions and then my podcast almost adulting on Instagram and then every, so every platform streaming platform and soon also on Spotify. Woo. All right. Sweet. Thank you yeah. so and much. Check out the episode with him. That's out right now on my podcast, almost adulting all about the mental health behind relationships and breakups that we do not talk about enough, which, you know, it's like when you go through a breakup, people just tell you, we'll get over it. And versus being like, no, I may need to, take longer than other people. So I love all that stuff. So get into it, it is what we yeah. say. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm so happy we did.